Welcome, Bird Gang. Yeah, it's another one of those Mondays. For the second straight week, we're left asking ourselves, what's wrong with the offense? How much is coaching? How much is execution? How much is the opponent? Bottom line, things need to change and change in a hurry. But first, an update on Larry Fitzgerald. How is he, Trent Sherfield, and Deontay Thompson doing? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 360, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. It's been often said, MJ, sports serves as a distraction, and we certainly all have enjoyed the distraction of the National Football League, but let's remember what we're dealing with right now. We're in the midst of a pandemic. COVID-19 is here. It's not going away. In fact, it's getting worse, not only here in Arizona, but across the country. So with that in mind, any time you hear of a player landing on the reserve COVID-19 list, it does make you take a step back. And we discussed it last week. Larry Fitzgerald, Trent Sherfield, and Deontay Thompson did not play in Sunday's game. Did their absence affect the outcome? Perhaps. I wouldn't argue with anyone who said that it didn't because those three players all play specific roles, offense, defense, and special teams specifically, that you could certainly make it a case that the presence of a Fitz, Sherfield, or DT certainly would help the Cardinals come away with the win. But we'll get to what happened and what didn't happen at Gillette Stadium. But we do need to let everyone know that according to head coach Cliff Kingsbury, all three of those players, in the words of Kingsbury, quote, hopeful that they will be back this week and specifically about Fitz that he was doing well. Don't know anything about Sherfield or Thompson, but good to hear that because the health and safety of everyone but anytime you hear about COVID-19 and someone either testing positive or coming in close contact, that is what you want to hear on the other side is that one, they are doing well and hopefully on the way to coming back to where we all want them to be. And that's on the football field. Yeah. And that's something we mentioned uh, last Friday. Uh, I reached out to Larry and he said he was feeling great. I reached out to him. Um, we exchanged messages on game day. Um, before the game, I know he was going to watch the game. He was quarantined and he said he was feeling fine. So um, that's good news. And, um, you know, to your point, um, you know, we're, see- we're starting to see some of the big name players, DeForest Buckner, Adam Thielen, Lamar Jackson. Um, and it, it doesn't mean it, it has to be star players, but it can affect anyone. Okay. That's the point. I mean, obviously these guys uh, have protocols and you got to stay with them. And if you're, you know, you have kids and, they're out playing and they're coming home. I mean, there's all these different circumstances, but hopefully everyone's going to be okay. Um, we know that this, um, you know, the recovery rate is very uh, good for, you know, obviously younger people, uh, but prayers out to anybody that's been affected by this. But from a football standpoint, we know how well Trent Sherfield plays on special teams. Um, we know he, normally the Cardinals dress five wide receivers. He only dressed four yesterday. And then we know with Jalen Thompson, um, when he's on the field, um, things settle down in the secondary where you don't have to wait for your your backups. And, and Deontay Thompson's another guy, even though 
So when we go through this, uh, Deontay Thompson, um, when we go through this, I mean, you're talking about three guys that contribute in two of the star, two of our starters, if not role players for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, it certainly was an absence that was felt. The final score, 20 to 17. The Cardinals lose to the Patriots. They've now lost two in a row, three of their last four. And I think the big takeaway in what we saw on Sunday, MJ, is what now we have seen over the past two Sundays with respects to the Seattle Seahawks and then the, or I should say, Sunday, Thursday night football, excuse me. But the Seahawks and Patriots and what they have done in stopping or containing this Cardinals offense. And yeah, if you want to talk about special teams or the defense allowing a third and 13 conversion, that's fine. But for me right now, this team is only going to go as far as the offense goes. Like it or not, and I know we make fun of it with Bertram Berry on the, on the Red Sea Report, this is a quarterback-driven league. And you can say this about every team across the league, all 32 teams. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And how your quarterback plays is how your team plays. Goes for everyone. And right now, Kyler Murray and this offense are not playing as well as they had earlier in the season or what they need to play going into the month of December for this final playoff push. Yeah, and, and the numbers back it up, Craig. The Cardinals offense over the last two games has generated only 612 yards, averaging 4.6 yards per play, scoring a total of 38 points. And we talk about, you know, splash plays, chunk plays, you know, plays that are over 20 yards or 40 yards. The Cardinals only have two in the last two games, and that happened on Thursday night football uh, where they had the Max Williams 25-yard gain and then the DeAndre Hopkins 23. As you pointed out in the postgame show last night, uh, the Cardinals' longest play from scrimmage was the first play of the game, Andy Isabella, for 19 yards. Now, we can get into some of the particulars based on how teams are, are defending uh, the Cardinals, but I would agree with you. And you start looking at some of these teams, you know, that have their head coaches and quarterbacks in place. Now we know that Brady's first year and they're obviously going through what we went through with Carson Palmer. I think Matt LaFleur stopped into a great situation uh, with Aaron Rodgers. but you look at Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you know, you look at, you know, Sean Payton, even though, you know, Drew Brees isn't playing, but Tyson Hill's been there. Um, The teams that are going to survive this are the teams that have the head coach and quarterback um, that have been together for a while. I mean, people don't want to hear this, but Cliff and Kyler are still learning. Uh, but I agree with you. And if you want to say if this team's um, going to be able to stay in contention and, you know, we believe that it's still, uh, you know, obviously feasible, it's really what Kyler Murray does because he's the stir that mixes the drink here. I mean, we could talk about the offensive line separation, the running game, but it all starts with Kyler Murray and he hasn't played particularly well from inside the pocket over the last couple of games. And yeah, they're not getting those chunk plays where, once again, we could sit here and say, oh, I love these 12, 14 play drives, but we know you got to pick up two or three th- third downs. You're probably going to get a penalty in there. And then when you get in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns versus, you know, nobody's saying you got to throw bombs. You know, the philosophy was throw five, six a game, you'll get two PI calls. Some live by that. I think Arians does. No risk it, no biscuit. Um, but they have different players, and I'm just using it as an analogy. And it was interesting watching Belichick. You know, the thing about Hopkins, and I, I think it's very similar for, for Julio Jones and maybe 
you know, Mike Thomas, and I know X receivers line up on certain sides, but it just seems like, you know, when he's on that side, you're either going to take the number one corner and then get safety over the help. And listen, they've forgotten more football than I don't ever know, but I wonder what it would be like to move Hopkins around. And, and again, I'm probably, you know, stepped out my boundaries because that's what X receivers do. Uh, but, you know, this is, it's just they're not getting the splash plays in the office. Now, it's, it's a small sample, but I think we're seeing a trend, and it's a copycat league. And Cliff didn't uh, – Kyle Odegaard, I believe it, I said, our team's figuring out the offense. And, it, it, listen, it's a copycat league. So what you did in the last four games, what teams look at when they go back and watch film, and I think it all started with Brian Flores and Matt Patricia – and now it's carrying over to the Belichick clone. Um, so I don't – to me, it's about execution and matchup. So if if they feel like, you know, they're going to stack the box, then you have to counter with that stuff. And this is something that I want to get into because there's three components of this. Is it the coaching? Is it the execution? Is it the opponent? And keep in mind, these past two games, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, two of the longest reigning head coaches in the National Football League. They've been around a long, long time. What they're seeing now on Sundays is nothing new to them. Or if it's something that is a little bit brand new, they've come away with a counter very, very quickly. Now, Kingsbury did not like that term figured out when asked about have teams kind of figure out how to handle Kyler Murray. But I'm in agreement with you, MJ, and it's that quarterback position. You're going to get all of the credit and more so than you deserve, and you're going to get all of the blame, more so than you deserve. But because of this unique skill set that Kyler Murray has, throwing the ball, great arm strength, and then his ability to run with the football like a running back but very elusive, he has to be Kyler Murray for this team to win, and we haven't seen it. Now, is it the right shoulder? Both Kingsbury and Murray yesterday said no. Nothing was dialed back. Nothing was taken out of the playbook because of his shoulder. If that's the case, then why isn't Kyler Murray running the ball or at least showing that he can run the football? And if teams are going to take that away, then, okay, now it's on the coaching staff to say, all right, they're taking away your ability to run. All right, then you need to stand in the pocket. You need to roll out. You need to slide protection one way or the other and throw the ball downfield. I just haven't seen that enough in the past two weeks. Yeah, and it's interesting when you said slide the pocket. Um, I think Russell Wilson does it, and I'm watching the the Chiefs game and the highlights, and Patrick Mahomes, he literally just goes outside the pocket, and, you know, obviously his delivery, Kyler can throw those balls too, but, you know, obviously, you know, Mahomes got a lot more starts, and he's been in that system under Andy Reid. He learned from Alex Smith. You know, here Kyler hasn't been able to learn from a veteran quarterback because he knew the system, but there are NFL principles and concepts. And so we know with the hash marks, it, you can't run this four wide all the time. And I think Cliff's proven that he's willing to, um, to look at 11 and 12 personnel. Um, but you've got to counter. So I, I think it's a combination. If they're going to put a spy on him, which that's what I would do, where you have a linebacker that's if he goes this way, this way, easier said than done, because that means somebody else should be open. But again, um, they've forgotten more football than I know, but 
to the naked eye, you could see teams are, are trying to box him in and keep him in there. And yet yesterday, Daryl Johnson during the broadcast said, you know, um, he needs to step up in the pocket. Now we get into batted balls. It's not the easiest for a guy like that. He's got to find a, a, you know, a crease or a sliver to make those throws. And so, I, it, but I, it, to me, if you have to do what Mark Trustman did with Jake Plummer, you move him outside the pocket, you cut the field in half. Now, again, um, you have to make sure receivers come back to the ball, but I'm sure they're watching a lot of film trying to figure this out. So this is nothing that is uh, earth shattering. It's just, we see it. And I think other opposing teams are seeing it now and it's a copycat league. So um, again, it's about matchups. It's about execution. And uh, if, if they're going to load the box, you have to counter. This is not the first time we've had this discussion. And this is not, Bird Gang, a one-game sample size. When you have two games, then all of a sudden that's a trend. But remember what we talked about after Detroit, week three, all right? Maybe the team has been discovered. Maybe Murray has been figured out. And then the next week at Carolina, the entire team just didn't look like they wanted to be there. Well, that's a two-game losing streak. After those two games, the Cardinals went on a five-game run where they had 30 or more points and 400-plus yards of total offense. And now all of a sudden, in back-to-back games, the yardage total has dropped significantly by more than 100 yards, but it's the scoring. 21 points, 17 points. This just in, MJ, you have to score. And I know the scoring has come down a little bit, and I think that's just kind of natural as the season progresses. The Cardinals are... The Cardinals are still a top 10 scoring offense, despite what has happened in the past two weeks. But December football is the hardest football, weather, playoffs, the intensity ratchet is up. You know, the Cardinals better be ready for this. And until they show it, you know, I'm left to say, you know what? I don't know. At this point, I don't know if they can compete over these last five games. And maybe that's an over-exaggeration, but I could certainly see this team going 5-0, and and I could see this team going 0-5. Yeah, and you know how I feel about losing streaks. And if you go on two or three-game losing streaks, I mean, there's just daggers. And, you know, people are going to say, well, and it's true, um, they're a Hail Mary away from being on a longer losing streak. And, you know, I don't I don't know if they were reading their press clippings and they were getting a lot of pub that week. and. You know, we know what happened in the Seattle Seahawks game. And, you know, I start thinking about, you know, leadership in the locker room. And because I listened to Bill Belichick last week and he said our leaders have really done a good job. And when you lose Corey Peters and Chandler Jones, again, not rah-rah guys, but they're leaders. And and then losing a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, um, you know, Larry's not a rah-rah guy. Um, He's he, when he speaks, so it's more you have to go to him and he'll give you. He's not going to stand in front of the and, and scream and, and yell and say, Do your job. I mean, that you're expected to do that. So, and then I, I think they missed Corey Peters on the field. Nothing against Pecco. And, and we're talking about a guy that was good run stuffer. So I'm just getting into some of the particulars, but I do think they missed Chandler and, and, and uh, Corey Peters. Um, not only on the field, but just being around the team every day, just, just that leadership, you know. Um, I think Buda Baker and I didn't hear his name called a lot yesterday. And we know Patrick, you know, is obviously a, a statesman and a, a you know, veteran guy. 
Jordan Hicks, I think he's a leader. But I'm just saying, I, I just think they missed that a little bit. But that has nothing to do why they lost yesterday. No, it's those respected voices, some calming voices, either in the locker room or on the sideline. But it doesn't factor into, you know, total numbers, total yards, touchdowns, yeah. and that sort. But it is something that should be acknowledged. And we do that here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai Proud Partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, Bird Gang, if you haven't already, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. I want to touch on something that Murray said yesterday post-game because I got to admit, MJ, looking back, uh, I'm going to have to disagree with the Cardinals quarterback. He said, because everyone's talking about his rushing totals and the fact that he hasn't been able to run the football like we saw earlier in the year, post-game after the Cardinals lost 20-17, to 17, quote, I don't think I have to run for us to be successful, end quote. The numbers tell a whole different story, MJ. And now we know Murray prefers to stand in the pocket and throw the football, get the ball into the hands of his playmakers. And that's great. But that's not what we've seen when this Cardinals team is winning. Kyler Murray is successful, and unlike any other quarterback across the league, when he has that dual threat, you take that away, then you take away this entire offense. At least that's the appearance, especially over the past two weeks. Five losses this season. Murray has carried the ball 5, 6, 11. That was the Dolphins game. 5 and 5. Fewest rushing attempts in a win this season, eight against Washington. He has to be a runner. And I know in the offseason we had this discussion. We're both a little leery about having him run as much as he has so far this season. But I'm at a point here after 12 weeks that Kyler Murray needs to run the football in order for this team to win. Because if he doesn't and he doesn't want to or isn't able to, then he is no different than about two-thirds of the rest of the quarterbacks in the National Football League. He's average, and we all know Kyler Murray is not average. No, but I think teams are taking that away, though. I mean, you know, the zone read and, and the RPOs, I mean, he, RPO is run, run, pass. I mean, he has the ability to hand off, he has the ability to run, or he has the ability to pass. So there's three options there. Zone read is you watch the defensive ends, if they're going to cheat and try to get, you know, the ball carry, he can take it. But I just think teams are, they're boxing him in. Um, but again, you got to get more protection from the offensive line. Um, you know, I, th I thought these guys would be a lot better. Um, but again, you're going against Belichick and, you know, got to give him credit that goal line stance and all that other stuff. But yeah, I'm with you. That's what makes him so dynamic. But I don't want him to run just to run. I want, I want to be a purpose. And if he wants to stay in the pocket, then stay in the pocket and make the throws. Um, you know, but again, he's got to worry about bad at balls. And that wasn't something an issue in college because, again, the hash marks, the linemen don't, aren't as close together. Um, but I, I just think I, I thought, you know, I said this last night and I mean it. Like going into the season, they added DeAndre Hopkins. They pretty much had the same offense, okay? And I talked about stability and the front office and the quarterback and the coach and the continuity with the coaching staff. Defense, they've added, you know, X amount of new players and they keep bringing them in because of injuries. You know, the secondary's been hit. Um, 
the linebacking core at certain points and the D line. And I thought, quite frankly, the defense played well enough to win that game yesterday. And here the offense is kind of still trying to figure it out. I thought we'd be further along in the process. And again, the other team gets paid and you're going against Belichick. So maybe it's not a great example, but it's happened in consecutive weeks. So let's use the boxing analogy, punch, counter punch, you get knocked down, you stand back up and then you go on the offensive. If the Cardinals are now looking at the past two weeks in which the Seahawks and Patriots have said, Kyler Murray, you're not going to run. But the Cardinals know in order for this offense to be effective, he has to have some semblance of a rushing attack or the ability to run. So if you're the Cardinals and I don't folks, I don't, I don't have the answers and I'm not, pinning it on UMJ as far as what the answer is, but it's on the Cardinals and specifically the coaching staff. This is where the coaches come into play because now they have to figure out a way to game plan against what the Seahawks and Patriots have done, give that plan to the players for them to execute on Sundays. Yeah. And I always say Kyler Murray, we have to include him. He's a luxury though, but, when we get to the top two guys, I mean, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, I mean, Kyler, I mean, in the perfect scenario, five to seven carries a game. I mean, the fact that he's got to do nine or 10, and I know why, because he's so dynamic and he makes people miss in the open field and he makes grown men look silly at times. Um, but really the, the running game is that the two running backs, and he adds a luxury to it. I just think they're becoming reliable on him. And, but again, you know, Drake's getting his carries. Chase, they're trying to work back in the mix. Uh, they actually threw the ball to Drake um, a little bit more than I thought um, because they had some young players you didn't have fits out there. And, you know, Isabella was playing in the slot and Kirk was playing on the outside and hop and they try to use a tight end. So um, I just look at it to where we've gotten spoiled with Murray's running. So it's become more of a crutch, if you will, something that this team leaned on maybe a little bit too much earlier in the season and become reliable or. No, I I just think that's who he is, but to say every game, he's got to have X amount of carries. I mean, it's the flow of the game. And if they take him out, then you may look like Cliff said, if I have to throw it 50 times, we'll throw it 50 times. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying he's part of the run game, but we also got to look at, he also is the quarterback, you know, again, the reason he, the reason why he's so dynamic is what he can do in the open field with the ball. I don't want that to change, but I, I just think it's a, a luxury um, because he's there. You got to get something out, out of the running backs. And I'm not saying they're not doing their job because they're only going to be as good as the offensive line and the protection. And, it just seems like teams are stacking the line saying we're going to, we're going to sh- shut this run game down and we're going to force you to throw the ball. And again, uh, if you're dinking and dunking, that's fine, but you better pick up third downs and you better avoid penalties. Murray doesn't need to rush for 80, 90, a hundred yards a game. And everyone now is focused on this 30 yard stat. I went back though, looking at last season and this season, it's really a 40 yard Stat, if he's under 40 yards, Cardinals are 3-11-1. So that's the benchmark that we're looking at. But to your point, if he doesn't need to run, then you got to be more effective. And this is something Kingsbury brought up earlier, the consistency and a sense of urgency in the passing game. So if you're taking away the run, or at least Murray's ability to run, then that falls 
on the passing game and the wide receivers. And here's where you're kind of limited on television because you don't see the routes. Are they getting open? Are they getting separation? Kyler Murray has time to throw the football. The offensive line is giving him time and Murray can buy time with his scrambling ability in the pocket. So the onus now becomes wide receiver, tight end, running backs, whomever's out there as a pass catcher. Are they doing enough? And if not, what can they do to get this offense back into a rhythm, back into a flow where all options are on the table? Okay, good point. Again, I don't want him to change, though, but I just I don't think we should be relying on him. I, you know, What he brings, and it's not like you know, a cherry on the Sunday. He's part of the running game, but again, if they're going to do that, run the football, run it down their throat, and then all of a sudden they're going to have to make adjustments. But, yeah, I, I just look at it from a standpoint of, he he's a guy that says he wants to make decisions in the pocket, but it's like, you know, again, there's got to be a solution here though. I mean, it's, it's, it's football's about matchups and, and executions, but you're right. I mean, they have to be more consistent in the passing game. And yesterday I noticed that there were, there was a lot of uh, poor spacing. We're seeing receivers right next to each other. Now you, you take Larry out and Isabella obviously is been here long enough to know the routes. But there was times when the, he was throwing, there were like two guys right next to each other. I don't, that shouldn't happen. Now, I'm going to ask Cliff on Wednesday is that more a product of what they were doing? Because we usually, the RPO, I'm sorry, the, um, the air raid offense is reps and, and, and execution, but it's also creating space in the open field. You can't have two receivers right next to each other. The other thing that's been brought up is the amount of times opposing teams are now blitzing Kyler Murray. That seems to be an answer with respect to making sure that he gets that ball out of his hands a lot quicker. ESPN stats and info, and I saw this via Mike Reese's Twitter account. He covers the Patriots for ESPN.com. But the Patriots yesterday, MJ, blitzed Murray on 35% of his dropbacks. He went 6 of 11 with an interception and a sack against the blitz averaging 4.7 yards per attempt and if you look over the course of Murray's career facing the blitz he has thrown more interceptions than touchdowns seven to six for his career now Kingsbury was asked about that because the metrics are out there and we all see it so now we ask the coaching staff about it and Kingsbury didn't think Murray is getting blitzed and any other quarterback might be getting blitzed at this point in the season. But once again, numbers are telling us that something is not clicking. And I'm sure the coaches know about it. And I'm sure the players know about it. What they tell us, that's telling everyone the game plan. And I get that part. But we all have the same questions. And right now, we don't have a lot of answers. And we have to wait until Sunday to get these answers. And when you lose... That's a long time before you get to see this team back in action. Well, I mean, CNFL, and, and I appreciate the fan base and how passionate they are. Um, but, you know, a lot of times on Monday it's overreaction. But if, if Zane Gonzalez makes the kick, if Christian Kirk catches a touchdown and give Keyshawn Johnson a lot of credit to get down there, I mean, but that's, that the NFL is about four or five, six plays, and it usually comes down to the fourth quarter. And, 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 you know, we had two teams come back from double digit down yesterday. 
Um, it's just little things that are there shouldn't like I, t- I said this on the post game. Their margin for error is so small right now. They they can't afford. I mean, you held Cam Newton to what eighty four yards and two interceptions, and you knew he was going to run. There was no way they're going to let him pass. Um, and and advances in advance. You know, I looked it up yesterday. The Cardinals are the most blitz team in the league. They're blitzing forty three percent of the time because they have to cover some of their blemishes or there are some of their holes in the front seven and they got to create some pressure. Um, again, it's, it's a copycat league, but uh, I think defensively, you know, besides, you know, them not stopping cam on third and 13 or 14 yards. Um, I thought they did a really good job. I thought they kept that team in the game and I don't think they get enough credit. I really don't, but it, it's a team game um, as Kyle Odegaard wrote. One week it's going to be the offense. One week it's going to be the defense. There's no finger pointing going on. Um, but I, I just look at it like this offense should be further along than they are right now. You mentioned the little things, and those little things become magnified when you're on the losing end. And if you look at all 11 games this team has played, only one game you could go and say they did not or they weren't competitive or they didn't have an opportunity down the stretch to pull it out fourth quarter five minutes to go they weren't in position to win and that's the game at Carolina other than that you lose by three to the Lions you lose by three to the Dolphins by seven to the Seahawks and now by three to the Patriots Cardinals are in these ball games and that's why there's such frustration from the fan base and from us here on Cardinals cover two because how many times over the past previous four or five years that this team never even had a shot in the fourth quarter, maybe not even in the second half. And here the Cardinals are in position to pull these games out and maybe have seven, eight, nine wins and not looking over their shoulder. MJ, this team is looking over its shoulder right now. And we can get into that maybe tomorrow because I don't want to focus on, Hey, you know what? They got lucky. The Rams lost the bears lost. Uh Uh-uh. Cardinals need to win. You want to be in control of your own destiny, not relying on somebody else having to lose on a Sunday in order for you to start playing games in January. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want, cause I don't want to look ahead. I'm tired of looking ahead. I mean, uh, you know, I, we know they get who I know who they're playing and everyone say, well, that's a winnable game. Okay. Yesterday was winnable. The Seahawks game going in was winnable. I know it was, you know, on the road, but they've won up there, different regimes, but they proved they could win under Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, it's just, again, the margin for error. And when you're scoring 29 points a game, sometimes you overlook that stuff. When when you only, you know, put up 38 points in the last two games, now all of a sudden things start to get unraveled a little bit. And now we're, you know, saying, all right, our teams, uh, have they figured out Kyler Murray's the blueprint out there? Well, like you said, that's on the coaching staff. I don't, I don't have the answers. I mean, and I, I, I watch the game. I try to figure things out. I talk to people. Um, and I, I just know that they're still learning, but it's the NFL. I mean, there, there's only 16 weeks and you can't give games away. And it's happened a couple of times this year. And, you know, yesterday, obviously one's going to look at Zane Gonzalez, but, you know, in the perfect world, that doesn't come down to a kick. Yeah, it never comes down to one play. 
because as we've said, as a half a dozen plays typically tip the scale one way or the other. But let's touch on Zane Gonzalez because Kingsbury was asked about it after the ball game. He was asked about it earlier today. He was asked about it on his coach's show. And he is, one, not worried about Zane Gonzalez as far as mental makeup and these pressure kicks. And he certainly is doubling down on saying that he has full confidence in Zane Gonzalez. Now, to a certain extent, he might have to say that publicly because you don't want it broadcast. You don't want it on social media that coach not behind place kicker as headlines, which we would see. But it is something to keep an eye on because now if you look at it, Gonzalez has three misses in the final two minutes of regulation or overtime in the last five games. Yesterday at the Patriots, he was short on a 49-yard attempt against the Dolphins. And don't forget, he missed an opportunity to beat the Seahawks in overtime. He was given a second chance and was able to do it. And he did send that game into overtime. But three times now over the past five games, you're relying on a kicker. But the best kickers come through. And right now, Zane Gonzalez is not coming through. Yeah, and we've been on the other end of that. You look at the Miami game. You look at the uh, game yesterday. You know, you know. to me, we're not talking, you know, I'm not saying a 49 uh, field goes a chip shot because I go back to when the Bills lost the Super Bowl, I thought they could have got closer and – I mean, but we're not talking about 53, 54. Uh, extra points, what, 33 yards now? Yes, 33, 33, yeah. Okay, so that's an extra point now. 40 to 49, now, you should be somewhere in – I have to look it up, but I know there's only a couple of Justin Tuckers out there and, you know, McManus and, and, and the guy in Miami. and But 40 to 49 – that means you're getting close, but you're not close enough to get a touchdown. So you got to come with points. And his numbers from 40 to 49, um, to me, they stick out. Um, where does he rank? Probably in, in the lower third when it comes to percentage from 40 to 49, though. He's 8 of 12 on kicks between 40 and 49. And he only has one other miss this season. That was week one against the 49ers. He was off on a 52-yard attempt. That's fine. But, but I think you're right because as we see, as athletes get better and the game progresses, whether you're talking about football, basketball, baseball, hockey, the numbers that we first thought, you know, the three-point line gets pushed back. All of a sudden, you know, 100 yards rushing is not as difficult as it once was. There are new benchmarks that I think we have to kind of get used to and perhaps now 40 to 49 – is supposed to be, quote-unquote, automatic in this day and age for teams that have a reliable kicker and someone you can count on. And, yes, it's one play, and you can make an argument the offense should not even have been in that position for Zane Gonzalez, but he was, and he needs to make that kick. Yeah, and, you know, the Cardinals do have uh, Mike Nugent on the practice squad, and you and I were talking earlier, and I thought he was in his mid-30s, but you informed me he's 38. Yeah, turned 38 in March. And hasn't kicked since last year with the New England Patriots? Correct. Yeah, I mean, I can just tell you this. They like Zane Gonzalez. They like the age. They like the uh, you know, the power of the kick. Um, and we know Jeff Rogers, assistant head coach. 
Um, ultimately, it's Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I don't know if they're ready to make a move. And I and I said this last night, and I would think he would be a guy you would – people aren't going to like this, but I would think when you start looking at your, your core moving forward, and I know we're talking about kickers or dime a dozen, not necessarily if you get a good one, you keep them. Um, but I would think he would be on the radar for an extension. Now, that probably is out the door right now because we need to see – but Craig, when he lines up now, what do you think the fan base is doing? Holding their breath. You're, you're turning your head. You're covering your eyes. You're doing everything. It's like watching a scary movie because you're not sure what you're going to, what, what to expect. And, and that's not a, and that's not a good feeling. And, and, and listen, this is, he signed up for it. It's a professional and um, it's not personal. It, it, there's pressure involved, but he's been, he's been doing it for a long time. I mean, even in college, there's pressure. Here, now you're getting paid and you got to go in the locker room and you got to face the guys. I'm sure he feels awful. Okay. I'm sure there's until, like you just said, he can't do anything about it until next week. So it's going to, as a person, it's eating him up knowing what, you know, people are saying. And I, I, I'm not ready to give up on him, but I think at some point, um, you got to find out what's between the ears. Like what has been different? You know, again, these are pressure kicks. It's like a golfer, you know, when he's going to make a putt, you get the yips. I don't see that though. I mean, wide, uh, wide, right. uh, Came up a little bit short. Um, It's just hard. It's hard to comprehend. Like why aren't these kicks going through? I'm not saying he's got to go 10 for 10 though. Don't get me wrong here. And when you're getting rushed, it's a lot different than kicking in practice. You, you could try to simulate it, um, but it's not the same. And, and I'm not saying that he needed a preseason or anything like that. It's that they work, they work at their craft every single day. Um, but it's just different when the big lights are on and the game's on the line and some guys, um, they welcome it and some guys they'll do it and they just hope it goes in. And, and I don't know where he is there because it, I got to think mentally it's, it's it, knowing what, every time he steps on the field, now, I have to make this kick. There's no like, there's no like fine line. It's like my job's on the line if I'm him, you know what I mean? Even though they're consistent about, they like them. They look at the big picture, young, um, you know, again, this is a year to year proposition when it comes to this position, but I think clearly they want him to succeed, but he has to succeed. He had made five straight field goals after that miss against the Dolphins. And then obviously that streak ended with the miss yesterday at the Patriots. And I know it was very easy on Cardinal talk for fans. So oh, he's got to go get rid of them. And, you know, now with 24 hours removed from that, and I wish I had said something about it because it's easy to say, get rid of somebody. But the flip side is, who are you getting to replace a Zane Gonzalez? And I don't know if there's anyone out there that is any better because it's not just field goals, it's PATs, and it's kickoffs. So you're asking now someone to do three different things, and I guess it comes with a job as a place kicker. But in this day and age of COVID-19 protocols and restrictions, I don't know if Mike Nugent's the answer. And it just might be something that, you know what, you keep your fingers crossed and hope that Zane Gonzalez figures it out and he comes through for you in the month of December. Because if there's a guy walking on the street that can do a better job than Zane Gonzalez, I'm sorry, Bird Gang, he's on another team. You know, Zane obviously had a growing injury and uh, Cleveland decided it's time to move on and all that stuff. And um, But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I hear this all the time. Just go out and sign a guy. 
Okay, first of all, you, you, you better make sure you're, you're aware of the COVID uh, protocols. It's not as easy as bringing a guy off the street and signing him and having him in uniform. Um, you, you better know what they, you know, what the long snapper and holder are doing. I mean, there's it, these guys hang out all the time. I mean, it's just not as easy. It's like, hey, let's go to the store and get a new pair of jeans, right? I'm sorry, it's they have intel on this guy. Yeah, I mean, guys drop passes, but we don't – hey, drop the pass. It's just when the game's on the line and we, we look at the last result, and, again, his job is to make kicks, but I totally agree with you, and you're exactly right. There's not a guy in the street right now, and I don't give – don't send me names because there's a reason why he's on the street. If he was all that in a bag of chips, don't you think somebody would bring that person in? Um you know, you look at Goskowski. I thought he was a great kicker. I mean, they they go through ups and downs, um, and hopefully he can break out of this snap because if they're going to win some close games, they're going to need him. And I think that's the organization says he still gives us the best chance to win. And Cardinal fans, one eight hundred, give me a new kicker. Keep walking because that's not happening. Bergang, if you enjoy Cardinals Cover 2, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. That way you can listen to all of your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rays, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Now, when I say that, Craig, they're going to say, it could, anybody out there is better than this guy. You know what I mean? It's like... Anyways, I listen, I understand the passion and all that. And, you know, this team got everyone excited. Uh, they built up some credibility. But let's be honest. I mean, if they, if they get to seven wins in the first week in December, I think we would have signed up for that. It's just that you you build up that equity. And all of a sudden, we're expected to, uh, the Cardinals are expected to win every week. It's the NFL. Was that game winnable yesterday? Yes. That's what's disappointing that today we're having this conversation. Yeah, expectations change a lot of things, and that's exactly what's happened here in 2020. Before we sign off on this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, maybe a little overreaction Monday, but a couple of notes that we need to point out to the Bird Gang. One, for those that look at the Cardinals' schedule, Week 16, you would have noticed that it was TBD as far as what day Saturday or Sunday, the 26th or the 27th. Well, the league announced today that the Cardinals will host the 49ers on Saturday, December 26th at 2.30 p.m. It's part of a day-after-Christmas triple header sandwiched between Buccaneers at Lions and Dolphins at Raiders. Those two games will be televised on the NFL Network. Cardinals 49ers will be streamed exclusively on Amazon Prime Video and Twitch, of course, for the Bird Gang locally, you'll be able to watch it on Fox 10. So week 16, the Cardinals will play on Saturday, and we got a taste of Saturday football, um, or that's coming up, I should say, because once you get into December and college football is taken off that Saturday schedule, get more and more games played on Saturday, and the Cardinals will get their opportunity coming up in week 16 when they host the 49ers. Yeah, and if you're not familiar, um, the Cardinals and the 49ers have, have an agreement. Uh, San Francisco is going to make their way to the desert. Um, there's a lot of particulars involved, uh, so I d definitely over the course of the week. But, you know, 
maybe a week and a half ago, Craig, I was thinking three-team race. That was an impressive win for the Niners. And they're only on, what, a game back in the division. And Cardinals got the Rams twice. They're coming off a disappointing loss. Yes, they got the Eagles and, and Giants. And, you know, we'll see what happens tonight with the Eagles. But there's no gimmies here. You, you got to go out there and you got to play football. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, because um, San Francisco, of all the teams, they should be the first fan base to say, we've been decimated with it. It hasn't been COVID. But, I mean, you're going to have, we knew that was going to happen. But I'm talking guys gone for the year. I mean, they're playing with their second or third string quarterback. So give Kyle Shanahan credit. That, that, they're not they're not mailing it in. They're not worried about a draft pick. They're going to try to finish strong. And it's not the NFC East where you're still going to have to win games. But Cardinals got five games left here. Um, you know, let's just worry about this week right here because we know the Rams have had the advantage under Sean McVay, which we'll get into. But um, I'm just I'm I'm just at one one week at a time right now because you start looking ahead. And it doesn't do anybody any good. I, fans, you can do it all you want. I get it. Um, but when you write that W or L, we have no idea what's going to transpire because we've seen flashes of this team. Now we see, need to see more consistency if they are a playoff team. Now, you know, are they a playoff team? Well, we're going to find out. Yeah, I think that word consistency is key because we've seen it, but just not enough for the Cardinals to really gain some separation and be considered a playoff front runner, not just a playoff contender and, and, and thinking that they're in already and they're still kind of working their way towards that. But uh, you brought up the uh, 49ers. They're basically relocating to the state of Arizona here for the next couple of weeks. They will call State Farm Stadium home for games next week and the week after that, weeks 13 and 14. There are no conflicts with the Cardinals. In fact, 49ers host the Bills on Monday Night Football on December 7th. Cardinals will host the Rams the day before. That's next week. And then on December 13th, the 49ers host Washington while the Cardinals are at the Giants. It just so happens that the Bills in Washington have already been here at a State Farm Stadium, so they'll be a little bit more familiar with the building than perhaps the 49ers will be. What do you, what do you think about the Bills going, we got to go back there? <laughs> now, at least they've won games since then. It's not like they're, you know, that was their Achilles heel. Now, do the 49ers, yeah. you know, the game ops and all that, I don't know all the particulars. Darren, yeah, Cardinals.com has some more information on all of this moving. But, uh, you know, if you're the 49ers game ops, do you do you play the Hail Murray on one of the uh, big screens before kickoff of that game? Or is that just too cruel? That's probably too cruel. I don't know. <laughs> I think you leave that to your social guys. I mean, you better win then if you're going to do that. And Buffalo's, uh, you know, they're going to win that division, it looks like. You know, Miami – uh, going back to Fitzpatrick, they're still in it. Uh, obviously, New England's got to win more games, and you know they're not going to win with that offense, I don't think. But uh, again, yesterday that that was it's just disappointing, Craig. Then again, we talk about these Mondays, and nothing's given though. You got to earn it. And the Cardinals need to figure out how they can get back to earning what they and what we all anticipated here to happen in 2020. So. We'll be with you, Bird Gang, and we certainly understand the frustration and uh, feel it right along with you here as we now work our way towards week 13. And, yes, we'll touch on tomorrow's show a little bit about the division and the NFC. But uh, as, as, as MJU said, it's, it's not about looking ahead. It's trying to figure out let's, 
it's cliche, but it's, it's today, it's the next day, one day at a time, because this team can't afford to get ahead of themselves. Well, I mean, it, 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 if, if we were to play, uh, you know, sound bites on here, let's key up Jim Moore. Playoffs? We're just trying to win a game. That was a high pitch there, MJ. I don't, I don't know if it. No, I know, it, but I, I, like I, I didn't want to do the whole pitch. thing. I didn't want to do the whole thing, but yeah, I think he used different language, maybe. But I don't know if it was swearing. But like I said last night, just win a game. I mean, playoffs are going to be there. It's about winning the next game. That's the focus. I don't, don't worry about two weeks from now. Don't worry about the Eagles. Just the next game on your schedule. You, you again. We, we talked about the Rams. I mean, they're they're playing for something. Week 13 should be very interesting when the Rams come to town. The first of two meetings between the two NFC West teams to close out the 2020 regular season. All right, my homework is I will have that cut on my phone so I won't have to, you know, you know, bleed anybody's ears. Playoffs. Yeah. Mike Jarecki is going to work on his Jim Mora impersonation for <laughs> Tuesday's show. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.